Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. This is Chris Hemke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. We're talking about heads. <laughs> we're talking about L5P yeah. um, is, is really what we're drilling into here. So, guys, all week we've been posting some of the older episodes about L5P. We did a lot of work with Gail Banks to study the L5P before it ever could be tuned. Uh, this week we've talked about the the price and the cost of getting into tuning right now. We've talked about the comparisons of the bottom end of an LML versus an L5P. Absolutely. We've also talked about uh, the 2.8 liter and, and how that coming to market was new to everybody yep. and how we kind of got to where we are today, where it's a very well-established platform. Uh, and it brought us into this really awesome, in-depth, very technical, um, very detail-heavy episode we did with Gail Banks about the L5P top end. Yep. And since tuning is coming, that means turbo is coming, and that means injectors and everything all the else. Stuff. All All the yep. fun stuff is coming. Uh, and we just thought before you guys go out there and rush to blow your engine up, uh, you should probably know a little bit more about it. So this one is for the L5P guys, huh? Yeah, I mean, just knowing the architecture, you know, knowing what the the valve springs, the push rods, you know, flowing of the heads, which Gail documented very, very well. Absolutely. Um, You know, so we lean on him, you know, kind of like the godfather of diesel, if you will, you know. (laughs) He uh, he's done his diligence to allow companies such as ourselves to move forward and, you know, kind of fine tune and push these things to not their limits, but the reliable limits. Absolutely. So, so let's give it a listen. Uh, L5P Top End with Gail Banks. Thank you for joining us again. This is Paul Wilson. And I'm Nick Pregnitz. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, today, I am really excited. We have Nick in the studio. Danny's out of the office today. So we brought in another big hitter. We thought, why not have Gail Banks back on to fill Danny's shoes? Hey, we'll trade Gail for Danny any day. <laughs> How's it going today, Gail? It's going good. Glad Excellent. to have you. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, we are so glad to have you back on. Last time we talked a ton about the L5P. We talked about uh, dynoing and, and a lot of other stuff. Today we want to dive into the L5P top end, and we have a few other topics. Nick, I think you were going to kick us off with uh, asking Gail a little bit about Duramax yeah, engine yeah, builds. Well, I mean, we're the Duramax crew, right? So let's get on with it. Um, I mean, we had an awesome episode last time we had Gail on. We, we really went through the L5P bottom end, um, and I we have a, a solid part of this ep- episode devoted to the top end of the L5P, including the oiling system up through the pistons to the heads and whatever else new they got going on up top there that Gail's going to tell us about. But first, I want to I jump back into um, a little bit of Banks technology stuff. And, you know, Gail has told us, several times about his engine building history, about what Banks is up to, and I think we owe it to our listeners to give them a wider picture of what Banks offers engine-wise, right? So it's not just the Oshkosh platform, it's Banks is also building performance Duramax engines for, question mark, fill us in, Gail. Yeah, just about anything you'd want. Uh, Bonneville, uh, drag racing, we're, we're doing one for a uh, a pickup truck right now, which is an earlier Chevy pickup truck, uh, which is a super turbo. Uh, in other words, a blower sticking through the hood with two, uh, two turbos, one on each side towards the aft end, and it's using our uh, our marine intake manifold with a liquid-coupled uh, intercooler core inside the manifold, and it's a ram tube type manifold. So. It's a tuned intake manifold. Okay. Uh, that engine's kind of interesting uh, because uh, we're using our billet crank, uh, Carrillo rods, and uh, 
some prototype steel pistons in that one. In the Duramax builds, did I catch that correctly? I, I have two of them uh, being built right now. Basically, uh, a while back, Molly, or Mala, however you want to say it, I say Molly. That makes uh, two of us. Yeah. Three. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, you go to Germany, and they say it both ways. Yeah. Depends on um, on what part of Germany. I So if, if it's okay to say Molly in Germany, I'll say it here. There you go. Uh, so those cats, uh, they did the pistons for us back in the early 2000s for the Cummins 5.9 uh, marine engine that I did. Now, just to and, stop uh, you real quick, Gail, are these the, the Molly, the monotherm pistons, the two-piece with the steel top and the aluminum skirt? No, it's a one-piece steel piston. It's a one-piece steel piston, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Some of the medium and heavy-duty engines do use the monotherm. Yeah, our, our is, ISL has that two-piece style. Yeah, with the, and it's a hell of a good piston. Yeah. Uh this is a one piece and as light as I can make them. So they built four sets um, using the forging for the Cummins. Uh, it, it had adequate material t- to build a bigger diameter piston out of it for the Duramax. Okay. So they built four sets, our valve pockets, our bowl type of thing. Yep. That, that we've been doing in the Amalia aluminum piston, and uh, two sets were sold off uh, to to two other companies to screw with, and then I've had two sets sitting around here for a while, but I haven't been able to get to the program. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I've built two engines, they're customer engines, uh, with uh, billet cranks and, and... Carillos and yeah, the whole nine yards. steel pistons. Uh, these things are big. I mean, they're heavy pistons, right? I mean, isn't that the... Actually, actually, uh, the pin is much shorter, so, uh, and the piston's heavier. But you're saving on the pin. what we've done is the skirt, geez, I wish this was a like YouTube thing. The skirt uh, isn't solid. In, in other words, the there's a gap between the skirt and the ring belt. Okay, I see what you're saying. Literally, you can see through the piston. It's it's like three quarters of an inch of daylight where there's no steel. Okay. Where there was aluminum, there'd be aluminum. So right underneath the oil control ring, there's a gap, and then you get to the skirt, which is lower. Yes. Okay. So that okay. eliminates weight. The shorter pin eliminates weight. And if we did a forging... Proper forging. See, the inside diameter of the piston is the smaller, accommodates the smaller bore Cummins. But we're doing a bigger bore with a small inside, so the wall of the piston is quite thick. We could get some, if we do a production inversion, it'll be lighter. You can cut it even more. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. So we got a lot of heavy metal in the crank to, to counteract it, but we built one. As a uh, as a a uh, super, they're both going to be super turbos. One is a marine prototype uh, for uh, that I'm doing on my own dime for the Navy. In other words, they're running the Cummins designs that we did what 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and they are quite durable, but they're quite heavy, and they want a lighter engine. Okay, so I. 
So you're banking on the fact that they like this one so much they contract with you for another? Yeah, I'm taking a chance. Yeah. But the other side of it is I'm, I'm, I've got a quite a following worldwide in marine. You, you know, we did twin turbo gasoline big block Chevys and sold them worldwide for 30 years. Yeah. And I kind of wound that down when, when we started pioneer the pioneering uh, the diesel aftermarket back in 80, 81. And, uh, and kind of that took off as you get, you guys are part of it today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we have thousands of friends who are also in the business you and I are in. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we used to be alone in San Gabriel, California. So the, the, the point being that, uh, We want to make the, uh, that steel piston production. I think that's the next step in, in, in how far we can go with a diesel engine. Yeah, you can run your 20-second blasts, and, and, and it, it, it's not going to change a thing, in it, I don't think, in truck pulling. Uh, it might. It might. Yeah, no, I'm with you, though. I mean, the, the, probably... the marine markets that, I mean, the, the steel pistons, what you have to have to have the high horsepower marine market for the diesel, right? I mean, that's that's what you're getting at? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Because we, we, we really uh, run them, you know, you got to look, it's called duty cycle. Yeah. On the street, you're rarely at wide open throttle. Right. Uh, in a truck pull, you're at wide open throttle, nominally 20 seconds. Yeah. Uh, at Bonneville, you're at wide open throttle for eh, 90 seconds, uh, maybe a, two minutes, depending on how fast you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you turn around and do that again. Uh, you got to have gallery cooled aluminum pistons at Bonneville. If you can, if you get away with what you 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 know, most uh, really serious truck pull pistons have no uh, oil gallery in the piston crown. You can't do it with a forged piston. And just so uh, we're clear for our listeners, when you say gallery cooling, you mean that there's there's physically a passage within the piston that is internally cooling it. Yeah, and there's an oil jet uh, on the engine. Early Cummins have don't have this, and then wow, about the time they went to Common Rail, that late 90s, I think, early 2000s, they went to cooling nozzle, right. where they spray oil up into a hole in the bottom of the piston crown. Right, instead of just There's spraying a, the bottom of the piston. Yeah, instead of just spraying the bottom of the piston, they spray inside the piston. It go, It's a circular uh, gallery mm-hmm. that has a exit hole, hole on the opposite side of the piston. So, on the steel pistons, uh, we did that as well. Uh, and we put 2.8 gallons per minute per piston into into those pistons. Okay. Uh, so you think that's a hell of a lot of oil that flows through a piston crown in one minute. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, and that's with steel pist- pistons uh, to keep them cool enough. Uh, the new Duramax uh, L5P is around a gallon a minute. In fact, I, I had my oil distribution analysis around here somewhere. Uh, now is that a peak load? Is that a peak RPM? Or what? Uh, when you when you flow these things? Yeah, give that's us some it. Stats? Yeah, we we normally measure all that stuff at thirty one hundred and fifty RPM. Okay. Uh, 
In fact, if you hear an engine running in the background at full power right now, it's an L5P in uh, dyno room number one. Uh, not a production engine, but uh, we're doing a whole bunch of e experimental oil system uh, upgrades for competition on the L5P. Okay. Uh, I can't find my oil system analysis, but it's a, it's a little over one gallon per minute. Uh, in, in So you got eight gallons, nine gallons, ten gallons a minute. It's just just being injected in, into the bottom of the piston. And if I put you on the uh, spot and ask you what the previous model year LML piston cooling, you know. Yeah, around seven-tenths to eight-tenths of a gallon per minute. Okay, so a 30% uh, increase, roughly? Yeah, 25, 30. Okay. The, the nozzles are much bigger uh, in the L5P than they were in the previous engines. I'm kind of surprised to hear that they made that modification. I, I don't hear a lot about piston failures or... Any sort of heat issues with the LML, I'm surprised that they went up for the L5P. I wonder if that was just to compensate well, the, L the, extra the LML power. is a the LML is 397 horsepower. The L5P is 445. Right there, I'd want more piston cooling. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> but a there's overhead. Deal. The L5P has overhead. In other words, the uh, the structure of the engines uh, supports a. Uh, 20% increase in cylinder peak cylinder pressure. You can go 150 bar with the earlier engines and 180 bar with the L5P. The cylinder head bolts, there's two additional small head, cylinder head bolts. Uh, the main bolts are stronger. The wrenching pressure is higher. Uh, head gaskets are uh, upgraded as well. Uh, similar but upgraded, but you know a, a bar of pressure is you know one barometer or fourteen point seven pounds. Right. So they've gone up. It'll support twenty uh, percent higher firing pressure. So just rule of thumb, that would take us from four hundred or three ninety seven to four eighty, uh, and they're at four forty five. So unofficially, Gail Banks says GM's got 480 potential on this motor? Yeah, call it 500. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I would round it. And hey, guys, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get right back to more L5P talk right after a quick commercial break. Hi, I'm Phil Grandinetti, service manager at Calibrated Power Solutions. As you probably know, we install high-performance equipment for your diesel truck. Twin turbo kits, dual fueler kits, injectors, our stealth turbos, our DT750 and DT1000 transmissions. But what you may not know is that our techs can also diagnose and repair most of the systems on your truck, including electrical, starting and charging, AC, brakes, ABS, steering, and suspension. So please call us if you're having issues with any of the systems on your truck. We will help you through the process of diagnosing and repairing the problem. You can reach us at 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. And we're back with Gail Banks. Uh, really excited, digging into more L5P talk. This should be really good for us here. Um, Nick, I think we were just starting to transition here and to talk a little bit more about L5P stuff. Yeah, I like what you're saying there with the uh, with the higher cylinder pressure, Gail. And I want to take your discuss our discussion about the steel pistons and, and our oil cooling and the piston upgrades on the L5P and 
you know, GM has talked about this uh, laser remelting on the bowl of the L5P. Um, this is yeah. not, a, not a process I'm familiar with. Uh, seems interesting. Uh, anything to, yeah. you know, it's not, it's no secret in the Duramax world that piston failure is usually right, uh, you know, right on the lip, right in that peninsula area and the, and the recumbent bowl. Um, looks like GM's on, you know, on course to correct that. Any thoughts? Yeah, even the radius, they, they screwed with the uh, radius of that as well. Uh, the, the more generous the radius, uh, the less fragile it is. In other words, it doesn't come to as fine a point, so to speak. Yep. Uh, but there's a balance between emissions and that radius. <laughs> okay. And so they wanted the proper radius for their emissions numbers, uh, and they still wanted to make good power, you know, the, the injected fuel impinges on that. Uh, that and when you really, really, really inject a lot of fuel and go real rich on your air-fuel ratio, it gets quite hot in there, and it'll burn back the piston right at that lip, so to speak. Yeah, we've seen erosion and, right there and, on that lip on engines we've, you know... Yeah, and and you you know where the openings are in the injector nozzle. Yeah, exactly. When you tear the head off, you can see them outlined. <laughs> right. So so and and sometimes sometimes that that's where the pistons burnt back. So the laser remelt. See these pistons to have the uh, cooling gallery in them, they have to be casting. Right. Uh, so. They also looked at steel pistons. Uh, I don't know if that's published, but... Uh, it is now. And they made this decision to stay with aluminum, but do the laser remelt. And uh, what it does is it just reconfigures the molecular structure or the grain structure in, in the aluminum in the area where it's been remelted and... As a consequence, it'll take higher temperature in that remelt area. Uh, so they remelt that, and then they machine it. Okay. So you, it, it all looks pretty uniform when it's done. It's hard to tell what, where it starts or ends. Okay. But it definitely makes a piston more durable. The other thing they've done on the piston to make it more durable is they've increased the diameter of the wrist pin. So, and the piston, to accommodate that, they had to make the piston longer, right. uh, the bigger wrist pin. So, they raised the deck surface on the engine, that being the distance from the center line of the crank to where you bolt the head on okay. to the deck. So, they didn't have they to shorten the They raised that uh, 4.3 millimeters. Okay. And the pistons are about 4.3 millimeters taller. Okay. Uh, that accommodates the, the bigger wrist pin and, and the ring belt can still be the width you want it. And you can still have the skirt stability. Sure, without changing the rod angle and messing with all that side-loading stuff. Yeah. Now, I don't know that the pin center line is exactly where it was, but the rod angle is so close. That's a function of the length of the rod. Right. Uh, it's just damn near identical uh, to the earlier engines. Okay. The tall deck is something I like because it allows me to do my crankshaft with a full radius counterweight. 
Uh, Why is that a benefit? Well, I I like to zero balance the engines. In in other words, if I'm going to turn them, in the marine engines where we turn them in the 44 to 46, 4,800 RPM range uh, maximum, the counterweights, uh, we still put some internal weight in them and lighten up the outside counterweights in the flywheel and the front damper. what, hap- what happens with a heavy counterweight at high RPM, especially on the nose of the crank, is it bends the crankshaft while while you're running. Uh, okay. Here, I'll give you another little piece of information that's not not common knowledge. Uh, take a, a counterweighted. There, there's different counterweights. You know, LLY, LBZ, LMM. LML, uh, the counterweights vary somewhat, but then using the average counterweight at, at 6,000 RPM, you have a 7,200 pound bending load on the nose of the crank, trying to bend the crankshaft. Uh, it's like a teeter-totter. Sure. It's like you, you, you're pushing down on the crankshaft and the pivot point is the front main and you wipe out the second main. It'll bend the crankshaft enough to do that. I've done it with billet cranks. You know, Gail, and, oh, um, that, I, I was actually just going to say here, I, I hate to interrupt you, but um, we've actually had this discussion with some local engine builders about internally balancing and externally balancing the crank. So you're saying at 6,000 RPM, you're, you're seeing clearly there's a benefit, right, to, to go one way as opposed to the other. Do you find the same wear at lower RPMs? No, because you can calculate the bending load at versus RPM with the with the full counterweight. Uh, I'd say you're you're pretty safe up to 3,800, 4,000 RPM. Okay. Uh, at, at, at that point, I start taking out counterweight on the flywheel and on the. I own the oldest balancing shop in the United States. <laughs> it's called Automotive Balancing Service, and it opened in the 50s. So we're pretty good at balancing. Uh, I folded that business into a bank's power probably 15 years ago. So we don't do business as automotive balancing service anymore. But we sure as hell don't know what we're doing. And, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, no no performance engine that, that turns Depends on the amount of counterweight, but in a Duramax, uh, four thousand is where I'd call it quits. If I, if I were going to run the engine there for a while, sure, sure, marine now, application, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys who break the crankshaft in the number one throw, uh, and sometimes in the number four throw, uh, but I haven't seen them break too commonly anywhere else on the Duramax, and the reasons are pretty profound. I mean. Remember, I, I told you about the billet crank that I bent at 6,300 RPM. Uh, that, w- that was with counterweight. Uh, and I didn't break anything. Billet cranks are pretty tough that way. But uh, I did bend the crank. I mean, I bent the crank almost a full thousand. Wow. Uh, uh, anyhow, the... Uh, 
and wiped out the second main and kind of damaged the front main. So didn't kill the, didn't destroy the engine. Did it, just did it, the crank. <clears throat> did it bend at that first throw? Is that? Yeah, it bent bent through there. Okay. Yeah. Now, if, if it was a standard crank, it probably would, would have broken sure. there. Yep. Uh, my point is, if you if you got a counterweight and a standard crank, and you turn it hard enough, you'll either bend or break the crankshaft. Now, the second reason guys break crankshafts is not the firing order. Okay? It's not the firing order. You guys uh, change the firing order on Duramaxes as if it's some form of magic, and all they do, a, Dur- a Duramax, if you, if you look at, you've you got to ignore the cylinder numbering and just look at, the cylinder location location as they fire. In, in other words, a small block Chevy fires like a Duramax, and a big uh, an LS Chevy fires like the alternate firing order that guys put into Duramaxes. Mm-hmm. They act like they've created frickin' magic. When when all they've done is move the firing uh, uh, sequence of the engine. To the same as a gasoline LS small block Chevy. That's it. So I'm writing an article on crankshafts uh, and firing orders and all of this stuff and crank breakage for diesel power uh, magazine. Are you saying that there's no benefit to an alternate firing order cam then? I'm not saying there's no benefit. I'm saying it, 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 it isn't the reason you break or don't break a crankshaft. Okay. Uh, you'd have to be really running a long time to find the difference there. I, let me qualify this statement. Uh, in my article, I'll explain firing sequence, but let me just tell you this. If you know how a Harley-Davidson V-twin fires, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they fire... They don't fire evenly. Uh, if you look at firing on a uh, on a V8 engine, there are three bays that fire 90 degrees apart, and one bay that fires what the hell is it? 270 degrees apart. And all you're doing by changing the firing order is you're moving that odd bay from the front to another location. Uh, So, check that. You're, you're, you're moving the odd bay to the front. It'll all become clear in my article, because <laughs> I'm doing it with some illustrations. But the other reason guys break, the number two, maybe the number one reason, other than counterweight, I, I put counterweight number two, because a, a lot of guys have, are breaking cranks, and they're internally balanced. The second reason you, uh, it would be counterweight. The first reason is vibration damper. Aftermarket vibration dampers or OEM vibration dampers in a performance application. Uh, first of all, an OEM vibration damper is tuned to a certain, uh, if you will, vibration point in the RPM range, uh, which is the worst point. Okay. So... What we do is we measure 
the crank position in the front and in the rear while we're running on the engine dynamometer so we can measure crank twist. Uh, and I usually don't want the twist in the crankshaft to be more than a plus or minus a quarter of a degree of crank angle. You with me? Yep. yep. Okay, so how do I, what do I do? Well, I've We've been designing our own dampers, and the Horschel brothers have been making them for us for a long time. They're viscous dampers. And we either have a steel or a bronze inertial ring inside of them, and we can tune them. Secondly, they they tune for very broadband. They're with a rubber-coupled vibration damper, whether it's got a bunch of O-rings and made, made by an aftermarket company, or it's an OEM damper with a solid sheet of rubber. They uh, are very specific to a given speed and load of the engine. Uh, If the O-rings are melting in the damper, uh, and that's what happens a lot of times with these aftermarket O-ring dampers, you, 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 you're not going to have a yeah. very good crankshaft life Forget and, about if it, right? the elastomer is <laughs> yeah, it's breaking down. Uh, we, in, in any endurance engine, we do not run rubber-coupled dampers. They just don't live. And they're, not, they're very specific to one RPM. So the minute, the minute you change the pistons or the rods or you turn the engine a different, a higher RPM, or you make more power, we do a thing called a mass elastic calculation. We look at the weight of the pistons, the rods, the pins, the, the bearings, the rings, the RPM, uh, we, the diameter of the, the journals on the crankshaft, the mass of the torque converter. There's all kinds of stuff that goes into our mathematic calculation. And then we build dampers, prototypes, that should solve that situation, and we'll 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 build build one right on target, and then we'll go. Maybe we'll build seven different dampers, three each side of the target, and one right on target. Then we go on the engine dyno with this specific crank and everything else that we're running, and we measure the twist in the crankshaft at the at at various uh, orders. Uh, vibrational orders. Uh, first order is this is is the speed of the engine, and then you go from there. Firing order, firing sequence. Uh, you know you're firing four cylinders per rev, so you've got that vibration uh, order. And, and basically, what I'm saying is, we know what the crank is doing, and we tune the dampers to prevent the crank breaking. Uh, the crank's like a big, long torsion bar. It's anchored with a torque converter on one end and the flywheel mass. And then in the front end, it's super flexible. So the damper helps damp that flexing on the front end. Uh, that's basically uh, how you, you, you keep a crank alive. You have a proper vibration damper. Guys who run blown... Uh, engines with a, just a crank hub, a blower drive hub, and no damper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that at Bonneville 
before I knew better in a small block Chevy and broke a crankshaft. Uh, uh, in another one, I it shook so bad that it, the, oil, the oil pump broke off the engine and killed the engine. So real quick, I learned about crankshafts and dampers Oh, I don't know, yeah. 40 years School ago. School of Hard Knocks. How do they look in the uh, L5P? Do we have some uh, pretty solid groundwork from the OEM on that platform? Yeah, you know what's kind of interesting? Uh, we, we ran our mass elastic and our damper design, oh, maybe a year ago. Uh, and the crank is a lot stiffer because the, the rod journals are so much bigger on, in diameter, and the crank stroke is the same. Really? And uh, the rod... the, the the, the rod journal to main journal overlap of those two diameters uh, is increased over the earlier cranks. So the crankshaft is a bulletproof mother. Uh, and they've, they've done coined or rolled radiuses instead of full radiuses. We talked about this, yeah, I think, yeah. the last time we talked. Yeah, for sure. So the crank is a lot stronger. Uh, and but the but the entire calculation came up very close. Oddly, uh, we're making more power, so we're putting more twist into the crank, uh, and uh, so our damper is very close in design to our earlier one. It's got a different counterweight because we, we, we build one that, that that can replace the stock damper, uh, as well as we're building them for uh, with no counterweight in it. We're coming out with a whole line of performance Duramax dampers. Uh, okay. And so, what are you guys using instead the, of the, the O-ring? The, the, like, what I'm trying to get my head around: is there any elastomer? Is there any right? Like, how uh, can you fill me in on that? Yeah, the the inertial ring, which would be the outer part on a conventional damper yep. with a rubber. Uh, there's no rubber. Uh, you have a ring inside of a housing with a silicon fluid uh, filling the housing between the ring and the housing. Okay. So the, the mass of the ring, the, uh, the uh, gap between the housing and the ring, and the viscosity of the silicon are all tuning points. So they're very tunable. Sure. Uh, not in the field. They're they're very tunable in development. Right. Well, you wouldn't and, want uh, somebody changing oil in their tank. <laughs> no, no. They, in fact, the, the, the there's there's a fill and a vent port on the face of the damper that gets welded closed. <laughs> Come on, man! I so, can do it. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here, let me drill this out. <laughs> I'm going to put a little 5W40 in here. Right, loosen it up <laughs> yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. You know somebody so, would run two stuff. Anyhow, a lot of the bigger diesel companies use uh, viscous dampers. Um, it's, it's very common there. They just cost more. That's the problem. Yeah. So we get this crankshaft so failure doing figured a, out, and then we get the steel piston, and we get the remelted bowl figured out. I mean, what is... <laughs> what? What is next, so the, right? What? You know, the bottom line is we're also putting a bolt pattern on the front of the damper so you can drive stuff. Okay. Uh, like a supercharger or uh, uh, a, 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 lot of, a lot of guys run water. Uh, the water pump. Ice or, uh, water. Yeah. 
coupled or whatever, you need a big pump for your intercooler. Yeah. Most 12-volt pumps won't handle it. So, you know, you you want to be moving 80 to 100 gallons a minute through your liquid-coupled intercooler. And uh, if you're moving 30 or 40, you're not getting the full effect. Sure. Uh, so, anyhow, we're doing a pump drive to mount on the front of a Duramax to run the big intercooler systems. Uh, uh, a new uh, double uh, fuel injection pump set up, and there's a bunch of stuff we're doing. Okay. We're doing the same thing for the Cummins. Uh, we've just done a new monster ram for the 6.7. Uh, you know how those things, if you you guys tune a lot of 6.7s, I'm sure. For sure, yep. Uh, and the uh, fuel injection line cuts right through the casting down where you bolt it to the cylinder head mm-hmm. where the heaters are. And uh, we made it, we went to uh, the guys that make the lines for Cummins and we designed a new injector line. So, so it does not interfere with our cast casting. And then we were able to make the casting flow beautifully uh, with no compromise whatsoever gotcha. into the uh, intake. Yeah. Pad. Open up that top end. So, there. Yeah. Yeah, so we would call it a monster ramp. Nice. Uh, I'll send you a picture of it. It's bitching looking. <laughs> we'll make sure we ridiculous. get that link up in our show notes, too, for that, so yeah. our listeners can <laughs> click on it. Yeah, people love that yeah. stuff. They eat it up. In fact, I'm just sending one to some guy that runs a dual pump Cummins to make the make sure that I, have, I haven't. Uh, it's so darn big in cross-section and flows so well. It's got a four-inch inlet on it. Instead of a three and a okay. half, nice. And you know, it's pure race. It doesn't accommodate a, th- a throttle. <laughs> uh, so I do a three and a half and a four, uh, okay. both. Okay. Uh, uh, anyhow, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. But back to the back to the Duramax. I'm drifting around here. That's all right. We were going to start to talk about the upper end on the Duramax. The uh, uh, and we, I talked about the head bolting and sealing and, and the more rugged design. The block itself is about, uh, compared directly to the earlier blocks, I think it's about nine pounds heavier. But the earlier blocks have uh, bosses on the front, lower front, for the old medium truck mounts. Okay. You know, yep. the top kick and Kodiak. Yeah, the chin mount. Well, those are gone on the L5P. So I'd say there's 12 more pounds of structural high-strength cast iron in an L5P block than there is in an LML or earlier. That that's meaningful. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully they've got that up in the deck area. I'm sure they do do be, because of the wrenching. If you're going to have more wrenching pressure, more head uh, uh, squeeze pressure on the head gaskets, uh, you got to support the, the the top of the deck can't uh, deflect or distort when you torque down right right so, so they've got a the thickness on I the deck that, is what we're looking for yeah i'm pretty sure the deck's going to be stronger i haven't sawed up a block yet so i can't tell you if, you know head bang as far as airflow uh in the l5p heads versus the earlier ones um and swirl uh, they've improved intake exhaust and swirl uh in the engine, the 
probably the most profound increase is the exhaust port. Uh, one of the things about diesel, uh, if I'm really going to get serious with a diesel, I want a lot of exhaust port. Uh, traditionally, the intake ports flow more than the exhaust ports. I mean, that's just uh, how the world works, right. uh, how everybody does them. Uh, I always like to try to get a if it, here's the deal you you push the air in so to speak boost pressure pushes air density through the intake manifold around the valve and into the cylinder the only thing that pushes the exhaust out is the piston in other words you take a lot of energy or power out of the crankshaft to push the piston up the bore on the exhaust stroke. So I, I don't want to compromise that too much, so I, I, try, to, I try to get the uh, exhaust port to flow very close to what the intake port flows. Yeah, I mean, we're and, already uh, fighting against the turbocharger and drive pressure in the manifolds. Why fight around the exhaust valve on top of that? Yeah, all, all of the above. Mm -hmm. uh, on a lot of engines that I've done that are pure race at very high output, the exhaust and intake valves are the same size. And the, and the exhaust port probably flows 90% of what the intake port flows. That's a bold statement, Gabe. So in the case of the, and I'm looking right now at the flow on the ports, if you look at 600,000 slift, which is not, not where the engines <laughs> are, yeah. uh, the intake port on the stock head is flowing... Uh, Oh, let me go to the table here, and I'll tell you. Uh, the intake port is flowing uh, uh, 206 CFM. This is combined? And this is done on a uh, SF, what is it, 1050 Superflow, the big Superflow pitch. Okay. This is our combined? This is so both ports two. on the intake, right? Uh, this, is combined. this is combined intake port flow? Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, so 206 on the intake uh, on the L5P and 186 on the uh, earlier heads uh, LML, LMM okay. they're pretty close to the same let me see okay hang on we're talking let me get this straight hang on guys no problem it's 187 intake flow on the earlier. Okay, so that's gotcha. a 9% nine, 9 increase on intake flow. Okay. Now, you go to the exhaust side. The exhaust flows 186 at 600 thou uh, on the L5P and 144 on the earliers. Wow. That's a big yeah, jump. Yeah, that's what I said. That's a big jump. Valve size is still 31 millimeters on the exhaust and... 33 on the intake. So to put that in perspective for the listeners, that's a 9% flow increase on the intake side and a 30% flow increase on the exhaust side. I mean, that just completely changes remember, the ratio I'm, I'm too, right? Yeah, I'm, com I'm comparing at 600,000 slift and yeah, so the in reality, way, the, yeah. You know, the stock engine doesn't lift that much. Right. So uh, it's more, I would I would say closer to 400,000 feet you want to talk. But it'd be reasonable to assume that those but, proportions transfer at 400 thousands? 
Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I I mean the intake is Yeah, it it's still I'm looking at it graphically now. The intake can continues to rise all the way to 600 thousandths and so does the exhaust hmm. so if they wanted to give the give the thing more lift down the road the head would would accommodate you with more flow right so they can uh, it's cam limited i mean yeah you'll get to a point where if you take the valve out of the port it still flows the same <laughs> uh right you know at higher lift yeah uh They'll flatten out. They'll plateau. Now, the part about the swirl really has to do with the use of fuel uh, and uh, minimizing smoke and maximizing power, uh, essentially. And and at the same time, minimizing particulates and emissions and what have you. The swirl uh, is grossly better... uh, from two hundred thousandths up to four hundred thousandths with the uh, L5P head, it just kicks ass on the earlier cylinder head. How are you measuring that? I mean, uh, what, what? Just to put that, like, visualize that for us here, okay. so people listening. I'll give you numbers. I'll give you numbers. Yeah. Uh, let me look here at say two. I'll go to two hundred fifty thousandths. The swirl RPM in the earlier head. Uh, 250,000 intake valve rise is 1,200 RPM in the LMM, uh, LGL. Well, they didn't make the LGL, the LML. Uh, So 1,200 RPM versus 3,000 RPM. Wow. That that is the rotation of the air in the cylinder. Yeah. Hard to believe, huh? Yeah, so, that is a wild difference. How do you even... Now, let me tell you why that is so good. And and most guys who port cylinder heads uh, absolutely destroy the swirl. They, they just go for the flow numbers. Uh, swirl is good because when you inject diesel fuel into cylinder, cylinder, you inject it right at the center of the bore towards the outside of the bore. As the diesel droplets of fuel move through the air, they're burning. It's like you're, they don't explode. They're not like gasoline. Diesel uh, burns from the outside in until you've consumed it completely. If, you, if the, the fuel, fuel droplet runs out of oxygen, by that it can do that two ways. It either slows down because it doesn't have enough momentum, or that's the reason we've gone to higher injection pressures is to get smaller particles but, but still maintain momentum. So they keep moving through the air in the cylinder and burning uh, like you're peeling an onion. Uh, that's the closest. Uh, yeah, in a spiral motion. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You're burning layers of molecules off as it moves through the air. Sure. If it stops and uses up the local oxygen, then particulate. It, it, then yeah, then you've made a little tiny briquette. I think if you got enough of these, you could make a hamburger. <laughs> Put them in your barbecue and make a hamburger. There you go. <laughs> so you've got this fuel particle that's 
been heated in the absence of oxygen. That's how you make charcoal. And that's what's going out the pipe. That's fuel energy you never used. So to keep the fuel and air mixing in a, the swirl RPM, you have a straight plume of fuel and you have rotating air. Secondly, as the air rotates, the, the, the density centrifuges out towards the cylinder wall. So you're injecting into the density, into denser air with more oxygen in it uh, due to the rotational speed. It's like a ride that they used to have at the Pike down at Long Beach here where you got in this big cylinder and started rotating and your back was against the wall. And then the floor dropped ten feet. <laughs> yeah, and then half. And you're half just half looking at you're you. looking at the floor ten feet below your feet, but you're stuck to the wall. The whole place smells That's what like a happens bar bathroom. with the air, and you, you're getting it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the so the whole deal here is swirl is a good thing, right? It's it's part of making power, and these these guys are so jonesed over the over the over the flow number that the. They've screwed up the cylinder head, and you're rolling coal and thinking you're cool, and you've lost lost 50 or 100 or 200 horsepower. It's not cool. Yeah. Horsepower is cool. Smoke is not cool. <laughs> so, Amen. I'm just saying. So this these guys at GM did a number on this cylinder head. It's really good. So they are, And I haven't told yeah. you the best part. <laughs> you know, the exhaust... The exhaust port flows better, too. Uh, I'm loving that. That's going to give you more horsepower as well, uh, especially if you jack it up. We haven't even put big valves in this thing yet, and we got an improvement. The, the point is, what happens when, when we get, get in, in and start doing uh, some experimental ports uh, and, and, and ultimately CNC some of these things? I hope you don't screw the swirl up. <laughs> that's the deal I'm not going to squirrel uh, squirrel the squirrel up I'm not going to screw the, squ- the, the swirl up and it's going to be uh, it, it'll, it, it's hard to maintain it you, you've got uh, there, there's a lot of handwork developing a port you know on and off the flow bench it's quite a chore yeah. uh, but one of my Cosworth guys is really good head, cylinder head development guy. So, and and we've done this swirl thing on the on the current engine. Sounds like being able uh, to measure it and being able to validate it. I mean, that's you know you're ahead of the game right there. Yeah. You know. Well, we measure it two ways. We also measure what I call swirl torque. That's that's the actual force of the swirling air. Okay. And that's measured with a different device. But when when we're I I identify more with the swirl rpm that's the measurement i i like to work with so this has so, a lot to do with the way that the port is shaped and how it how it interfaces with the with the chamber right i mean that's this that's the swirls all about is the the radius on the port or the curve of the port yeah and generally you've got uh what i call a mass flow port and a swirl port one of them one of them if you if you study how the ports come into the uh, into the to chamber. the combustion chamber, or or into the cylinder in this case, combustion chambers in the piston. One of them is kind of tangential to the to, to the OD of the uh, bore. So 
it's really giving you a velocity. And the other one is it's more towards the center of the bore. So that's the mass flow for right. it. Uh, one of the things I've done with my marine intake manifolds with the individual runners uh, is set it up to put a butterfly in the mass flow port uh, to really kick the swirl in the ass right up uh, uh, at lower RPM and lower valve lift, okay. uh, and then open the mass flow port. Uh, that's something we did, oh, I don't know. 12 years ago when we first did the manifold design, but we've never put the butterflies in. Hmm. But it was kind of cool uh, to see that the little VM Motori V6 yeah. does exactly that. It does exactly that. It validate, validates what we're, what we're wanting to do and never did. Yes, yeah, so they have a dynamic it, change on swirl versus mass air, mass flow, whatever. Yeah, they have butterflies in the, in the uh, mass flow ports. Okay that open up once you get going. Uh, so here's the part I, I wanted to get to. If you look at all the earlier heads, the ports come right up to the gasket surface, and then you have an intake clamshell or manifold right. uh, that is the standard piece that, that comes from GM. If you're hot-rodding your Duramax, and that is still there. I mean, there's aftermarket versions of them, too, but most well, most guys are using stock head, stock intake manifold, very, or a stock head that's been ported yeah. in the stock intake Very manifold. rarely do we not use clamshells or not see clamshells. That's it. Now, the point is, the cross-section of the clamshell is all the flow area you have to the end ports on both ends. Yep. From... It, Roughly, the air enters roughly in the center mm -hmm. on the earlier engines. On the LML, the air enters in the front and uh, near the front. But the clamshell, I haven't measured it, but I visually it ha has greater cross-section. But so does the head. In other words, the ports don't come up to the gasket surface. There's, a, there's all this additional, if, if you will, feet feed area to, to all the ports towards the back of the cylinder oh, Okay, so they're recessing the head. Now, gotcha. So what I, what I told the guys uh, in the cylinder head department was, how, how about we flow these heads and compare them with the manifold clamshells on them? That's going to be yeah. where I think the L5P is really going to blow the early arm ones away. Yeah. So... I'll have that difference uh, probably in the next week or two. We're, we're running so much dyno work and oil pan development right now. It, it's pretty wild. Uh, well, that's a clever design. So, I mean, there's a space is at a premium in the L5P. You know, space is a, there's a lot going on on top of that engine, and to be able to, yeah, to add plenum volume by by milling the head down on the intake side. Well, there. here at Banks, we we are we are just airflow. Uh, nuts, you know. Mm -hmm. We're all about the density, all about the airflow. That's the key to everything. That and swirl. Uh, that's that's how we do it. But the, I think the thing here is, we're also becoming damn expert at crank, uh, crank case 
uh, air oil dynamics right now. Uh, we're we're doing a new upper and lower oil pan. Uh, you know, the upper oil pan is aluminum and has a kind of a tray in it, uh, and the lower oil pan is steel. Uh, for motorsports and for marine and for military, uh, you know, we're doing a commercial off-the-shelf uh, upper and lower oil pan, and if you're doing twin turbos or whatever, it's got an oil drain back port on both sides. Nice. So, so you do parallels you if you put, want. Yeah. You can do turbos on either side of the engine, and you you got a place to drain the oil. That's real convenient. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, now, it, and also we're we're doing the the tray in the in the upper oil pan casting. More like I would do on a on a racing engine, uh, semi dry sump technology on a wet sump. Uh, this is something that isn't finalized. But what we do is is we run the engine on the dyno, and we have a sight glass uh, like an, an old style coffee maker to see how much coffee's left in the glass okay you, you know what one that holds like a hundred cups of coffee yep. you've seen yep. them yeah uh, we put those t- uh, things on the sides of the oil pans so we can measure how much oil is in the pan when we're at full song you know right yep uh, also we're measuring how the oil level in the rocker covers okay and how well the oil drains back from the rocker covers through the four drain back ports in the block on each side. Uh, and the L5P has a breather at the left front of the engine uh, that is really scientific, really sexy. Uh, it uses boost air. First, it centrifuges the oil-air mixture, and then what drops out of that little centrifuge section goes into a little sump in the breather, and boost air is used to blow it, the oil back into the rocker cover through a little jet. You ever see a deal where you use a, a thing you put on your garden hose and you can pump out your basement with the, that? Have you ever seen one of those? Yeah, like a Venturi kind of thing almost. But Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is that kind of deal. Only uses air instead of liquid, and it it sends the vapor, uh, what you've collected out of the uh, vapor, straight back in. So the air that goes, the blow-by that goes into the compressor uh, inlet is free of oil. Yeah, and that'll make sense dry. I mean, guys who have owned Duramaxes in previous years, I mean, you look at intercooler tubes around clamps and hose discharges, I mean... 200,000 miles on a truck, and there's, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There's oil coming out of every single intercooler pipe connection. Yeah. So you won't have well, that on the Well, the bottom line pipe. is when you oil down the intercooler inside the intercooler, it doesn't intercooler. It's not as effective. It damps out the heat transfer capability. Yep. You don't want oil in an intercooler. Right. So this, this is going to be the most immaculate setup. Uh, you've ever seen. Uh, but if you're going to drive the power way up, I, I'm afraid you're going to overwhelm it. 
Okay. And if you overwhelm it, there, there, there could be some consequences. And this, this is something we're working on very strongly right now because if you overwhelm it, then you bring oil, uh, the, the oil, oil uh, how should I say this? You get to a point where, where you might ship a little oil into the compressor. Okay. And uh, that's what we're determining right now. We're running all different kinds of speeds and, and loads. Uh, we're trying to get more, more oil out of the valve covers and down into the sump where it belongs. Mm-hmm. This isn't a problem on a stock truck at all. This isn't a concern on a stock truck, period. Right, this is not a 445. Uh, my concern problem. is how much blow-by can I go, volume can, can this thing tolerate? Yeah. Uh, right now we're, build, we're, we're measuring um, our blow-by rates are, are, oh, maximum of 5 CFM is our blow-by volume. And uh, if you put in uh, custom pistons with looser skirt to wall and, you know, blow by more, more by the rings, let's say, perhaps, yeah, uh, you're going to overwhelm the capacity of the breather. So f- what we're working on here at Banks is a better, uh, if it, it's necessary, if it's necessary, a uh, cure for the breather on a hot rotted engine so you're going through the you're going through the hassle of doing this upper and lower oil pan and and re-engineering the uh the wet sump system um you know is this the type of system where uh, guys maybe put this on a chevelle or a nova or a, a car with a different front cross member i mean you got to see the crate market that's what this is uh this is a rear sump conventional looking oil pan okay uh the, the the pan is cast aluminum. The lower and upper are both cast aluminum. Um, we increase the capacity to nominally 12 quarts. Uh, I think stock is 10. Uh, the uh, and I'm setting it up to 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 separate the oil and air. Uh, the way the tray is shaped. Uh, it's like a kick-out oil pan on a on a drag race engine. Okay. Yep. We're using that type of technology, yep. but a much more refined design. There's what I call the upwindage side of the engine and the downwindage side of the engine. Yep. Uh, as you, as you look at the engine from the front, it's rotating clockwise. So the downwind windage, windage side side would would. It, be the driver's side on the right as you're facing the front of the engine and the upwindage would be on the left as you're facing the front of the engine on the upwindage so the, the down the, the oil and air wants to leave the rotating crank assembly we have a curving bottom in the upper oil pan that it, it takes it and uh, it curves about a three-quarter inch radius. Then you have a flat section at, at about a five-degree down angle. Then it flows into a slot on the upwindage side that uh, encourages it to go into the pan, into the sump. Uh, and then there's air bleeds on the other, other side. So I... You have it rotating clockwise, the air and oil rotating clockwise above the tray and counterclockwise below the tray. 
and hopefully the oil drops out of the air in the sump and only air comes back my breather slots on on the other side of that tray so far um, our performance is uh, equal equal to or better than the GM design but the GM design has to clear the the front of the part of that steel oil pan uh, is real narrow uh, I, I think it has to clear the front differential on a 4x4. Four four. Uh, there's a bunch of yeah. uh, chassis-related... Constraints uh, there. Yeah, there's stuff going on that is compromising the performance capability of the bottom-end oiling system. So we're doing a full-on competition setup. And yeah, going a boat, going a Chevelle... Uh, going to an early pickup, if you know if the the depth of the front of the cast pan is high enough to to clear front cross members in those earlier things. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're after it with a vengeance. Uh, that's great. That's, that's what essential. I like to hear. Yeah. I mean, the aftermarket needs, uh, in my opinion, you know, the the build market and the build, you know, engines for build, right? Like, put an engine together. Build it, crank pistons, the whole nine yards. Tear your LML apart, or tear your LBZ apart, or whatever. You know, that's it's a process. The truck's down for three or four months, whatever. I see this. You know, the L5P right. looks like a really strong foundation to have a, a factory built engine. Uh, to know the quality is there, to know the assembly quality is there, to have it engineered and ready for a certain power level. Um, you know, the crate market engine, I feel, is primed. It's ready. Yeah, but we were starting to see more and more swaps these days, unique builds. Yeah. Guys are doing crazy stuff. Obviously, we've had guys like Nathan Mueller on who did the Duramax Camaro. Um, we've had on uh, Eric Swanson from Duraverb. <coughs> it's starting to become something that's really desirable for the end users. Guys are really starting to look, what can I do? And like you said, it's a like if you think a regular motor build project is a long project, like just wait until you try to do a swap into something else. Yeah, I mean, if you think your LS1 build or your small black Chevy build t- took forever, I mean, wait till you build your Duramax. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like every, everyone <laughs> we deal with, you know, it's just, it's the machine. It's sh- not a small block Chevy. Right, exactly. No. Uh, exactly. That's for sure. Yeah. So I'm a- What's going on here currently? Diesel Power Magazine is using uh, Banks Power to showcase the L5P. Uh, in the May issue of Diesel Power will be a teardown. Uh, I think there's 65 photographs in that. Uh, it's online right now. If you go to trucktrendmagazine.com uh, or whatever they call it uh, and go to Diesel Power, uh, you will see the article uh, on the teardowns. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. And we're going to, we're going to uh, follow that up with a we're going to take the same engine, build it build it back stock. Okay. Uh, we're going to qualify the clearances. We're going to check the balance. Just make sure it's perfectly happy. Yep. Um, we're going to fit a performance damper. I don't want to be screwing with anything, so we'll fit our proper. Uh, uh, probably one of our military prototype dampers. Uh, it'll probably be about 90 days before we have the commercial aftermarket damper for that engine. So, and we're, we're, we're going to find the limits. We're going to find the limits of the pistons. 
we're going to find the limits of the stock turbocharger. We're going to do all of it. I think the first limit we will find will be the stock turbocharger. We're going to run out of turbo before we run out of engine strength. Uh, these things got a lot more oil pump, a lot more water pump, and a lot more oil cooler than the older engines. Uh, so it'll handle more thermal load and not uh, kill itself. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're going to find the limits. It'll all be in uh, Diesel Power magazine. Uh, they, they usually do the stuff online first, uh, and then they, uh, you know, do it in print. Uh, but online, you get way more photographs than you can in print. Right, right, right. Uh, they're going to have to kind of cut back the photos in print, I would imagine. I want to turn you back just a little bit. You know, we went, we went all the way up the L5P on the air handling system with the exception of the turbocharger, and you just kind of touched on it a little bit. And this is the first right. engine from Durham, from uh, the DMAX program that, uh, in a long time since the IHI, that's broke from the tradition of using Garrett variable vane tr- technology, and we're on we're on Borg Warner stuff now. We're on Borg Warner. The Borg Warner stuff uh, has different variable geometry design. Uh, it can take, uh, I think, maybe a hundred to hundred and fifty Fahrenheit higher EGT sustained. Uh, it's, um, you know, the L, the L5P is a high EGR engine as it are, are most modern diesels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, it means the compressor turbine ma- match is, uh, optimized for that. Uh, so we're watching drive pressure and we're watching, uh, air, boost air temperature as well as pressure. In other words, we're watching air density from the compressor. Um, we will map the air density versus load that, that the compressor produces, uh, and we'll map the drive pressure, uh, and we'll be measuring the RPM of the turbo. And uh, basically, I think, I think we're going to run out of turbine before we run out of compressor, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a pretty... Uh, when the drive pressure starts going for the moon, uh, you're out of turbine. Right, right. Now, when you guys you are know, doing this Especially mapping, if the boost isn't going up much. Uh, so, so the bottom line here, we'll find the limits of the turbocharger, and we'll publish all of that. It'll, all that stuff will be both on our uh, Facebook page, which is Banks Power, uh, all the stuff we do on this, I, I want I want to get it out there so guys are hot rodding these things and having fun with them. Uh, then I want to sell them some pieces. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to sell them Banks Power stuff. But the bottom line is, uh, it, it, why keep it secret? You know. Yeah. Uh, so the, so the uh, Facebook Diesel Power magazine. Uh, Truck trend. Uh, there'll be some stuff over at um, Diesel Army on on online, uh, and Diesel World. We're gonna be doing stuff with Diesel World as well. Uh, so, so this is, you know, the next three years out here at Banks, we're we've we've won the damn military business. It, it's the biggest thing of my lifetime. 
but it's not near as fun as talking with you guys and Hot Rod. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Banks 2.0 and full yeah. force. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Gail, before we yeah. wrap up here today, uh, because we do respect your time and you have been uh, just a wealth of knowledge for us, anybody else that you want to give a shout-out to or any final comments about the L5P that you can let our listeners in on? Well, uh, you mean in, ter- in terms of GM or... Uh... Just in general, any other information you want to share about the L5P uh, for guys who are maybe thinking about upgrading from their LML or LBZ in the past? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, there's never been uh, a Duramax as rugged as this thing. Uh, you know, guys will talk about the, the, the tank hanging, ha- hanging down underneath the truck as a big negative, uh, you know, for the uh, urea, urea right. injection. But stuff like that. But... The, one of the coolest things the guys have done is, is, is their cold air hood. To me, and I put, it, it's, on, it's on my, uh, my personal Facebook page is Gale Banks Turbo. G-A-L-E Banks Turbo. And sometimes <laughs> I put stuff up there that's not on the company site, Banks Power site. I went to an introduction that GM did out here some months ago on the L5P. They had three dynos set up in this old warehouse downtown uh, L.A. and uh, had all the magazine people in there. And they had a dyno chassis dyno shootout going on, all kinds of stuff. It was a fun evening. Uh, That's the first time I saw that cold air hood set up. They bring the air... in on top of the hood, they have an air water separator hanging under the hood uh, on the driver's side of the hood, uh, kind of a plenum. They have a duct that go, goes across the hood and into the intake air system on the left or passenger side, and uh, pardon, pardon me, the right as you sit in the driver's seat side, and uh, it's a pretty nice cold air system all around. Uh, you know, I, I'm a Ram Air nut. I've been doing it since the 50s. So it's a There's definitely some time spent on that. I mean, Civics or Duramaxes, I love a hood scoop. <laughs> you would, Paul. You would. Well, yeah, yeah. For, it's a, it looks pretty cool cosmetically. So the deal is, we're going to measure the density gain uh, through that system at as compared to an earlier style truck. Okay. Uh, and and, and that, I'll, we'll be putting all this stuff on Facebook. That's my main... Oh! Or the guys can come to bankspower.com and sign up for our Banks Insider uh, feed. There you go. That Banks Insider is where everything will be. I mean, the stuff I put on Facebook will be reposted on Bank, Banks Insider... If you sign up for it, we will not try to sell you stuff. Totally try signed up for it. Just it's good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Just like yeah. just like if well, you sign up for our kind of It's been kind of thin the past few months because we we've, we've been thumping on the L5P, but it, it, it's coming back with a vengeance. Um, and and also uh, on Power Auto Media, 
my entire career is there right now. Uh, and I, it's been posted. Uh, they did an article, uh, came out here and, and did an article on my career uh, <laughs> from 1956 forward. <laughs> Uh, no big deal. A lot of pictures. <laughs> Lots of pictures. So uh, that's on that's on uh, Gail Banks Turbo on Facebook in my feed. Uh, Very cool. So lots of stuff to see. Uh, and I think the next time we talk, we ought to talk about the re- results. So what we get off this L5P build. I think we should probably do a video video uh, podcast next time, maybe from Gail Banks Dino Cell. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. We can always are you guys going to go video? Are you going to do video? I think we should come on site and do some video, Gail. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I can it's fit on, that in my schedule. Hey, uh, uh, you know, it's on. If you want to do it, come on. All right. Let's do it. Love it. Well, Gail, Rich is, we keep Rich is smiling over here. Yeah, Rich is, our producer Rich is smiling. <laughs> I just immediately found availability in my schedule. That was amazing. Um, turns out, yeah, my social coordinator said it was okay already. Great. Um, Great. But yeah. Well, let me let me lay it in, lay it out for you. There's we could also go out to the NH, NHRA museum. Uh, my whole career is in that museum Check out as some well. Cool stuff out there. Uh, that's, <laughs> hopefully, there's something interesting there. Uh, and if you're into bu- music, jazz, blues, or any of that, I have a Monday night jazz hang. I go, I go over to Mount Washington to, to a buddy's house, and nine people are playing jazz there every Monday night. Oh my God, that's a, that, and that I is mean, part of the yes. That's definitely going to be part of it. If you're at all into that kind of music, it is a life experience. Sold. So deal, deal. I'm in. If the, if you're coming and, and you want to go to the jazz deal, uh, then plan on plan a Monday. Being here Monday night, right. we'll go. All right. Sold. Well, you're on. Well, now that now that we just booked that, I can wrap up the show uh, again. Gail, thank you so much again. Just as always, uh, really amazing to have you on. We definitely appreciate you and your time. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a it's great content. I mean, it, to go through the whole top end of the L5P, I think we got a lot of we got a lot of wheels turning out there for gearheads, man. They're trying to figure out how they can get this motor in their next build, or you know what they can do to to finance this next truck. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a little Cummins in. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. For the yeah. inline guys. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Well, you guys, you guys tuned this shit out of Cummins. I'm sorry. <laughs> I swore, didn't I? <laughs> That's never a fucking problem. Um. <laughs> well, to everybody who listened this far in, in this podcast, thank you from Gail Banks. Right on. Right <laughs> That's on. That's so awesome. This has been Paul Wilson. <laughs> I'm Nick Pregnitz. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920.
That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTuner.com or Chris at C-E-H-M-K-E at DuramaxTuner.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, today, I am really excited. We have Nick in the studio. Danny's out of the office today. So we brought in another big hitter. We thought, why not have Gail Banks back on to fill Danny's shoes? Hey, we'll trade Gail for Danny any day. <laughs> How's it going today, Gail? 